Welcome to Day Zero Update for March 20, 2022. I'm your host, Chris Ologi. I'm Brandon Parkin. And I'm Dan Victoria. And yeah, we've got a pretty big slate of news here. Yep. Uh, for the week, uh, we've got, uh, let's see, we got a new big bundle that helps benefits uh, Ukrainian charities, mm-hmm. for those charities that are helping people in Ukraine. Uh, we've got some dates for some new and interesting stuff coming out here over the next few months. Uh, we do have uh, some sales news. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a couple of stories about uh, bad work cultures at some a number of indie studios. Yep. That uh, are unfortunate to hear. We'll get into that stuff a little bit later, and then we'll talk about this weird idea at Xbox showcase, much like their others. They're just weird and disorganized and... I don't I don't understand the point of them. Yeah, because we'll get into that. Yeah. Uh but before we get to all of that, we will be talking about what we've been playing. Uh we'll kick it off here. Uh Fortnite just launched their new season. Mm-hmm. I think it's season chapter 3 season 2. And the big deal here among other things is that the 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 weird story justification uh, is that the bad guys have stolen the ability to build ah. uh, for like nine more days. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I'd be fine with it not coming back. Uh, maybe put it in a another playlist of sorts, like they have for you know solos, duos, trios, squads, you know all that kind of stuff. Because mm-hmm. uh, most people don't build in that game. It's the weird thing, like people are making a big deal about there being no building. It's like I don't see building, you know, seventy five percent of the time. Even then, it's usually just oh, somebody built something here minutes ago. Uh, that kind of stuff. And uh, the other changes they made: there's sprinting now instead of just having a a base run of sorts. Maybe finding uh, you could eat peppers if you find them to uh, run faster. As obviously is how that works. Um, or finding vehicles, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, now there's just the ability to sprint. It's pushing in the left stick. I assume you can uh, remap it if you need to. The other big thing is there's now parkour. Uh, at least in the ability to climb up uh, to get up to, you know, uh, higher ledges and that kind of stuff that you may uh, not be able to jump to normally. Uh, so it's kind of in the vein of a Apex Legends kind of a system there, uh, which is pretty nice because it's frustrating when you can't uh, jump around as easily uh, in this game. Uh, that's what the building would help with, is to kind of climb to get up to areas that you can't normally get to, that kind of stuff. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, the one of the first missions you can get is just, here's how the, the, the stuff works. Uh, how the sprinting works and climbing and that kind of stuff. Uh, so pretty easy for the most part. Uh, let's see. Yeah, the it seems like the Battle Pass has a few more Marvel characters to unlock. I think it was Spider-Man for last season, and you'd be able to get uh, Spider-Man's web shooters as like a special item you could find that would be more more common as you got through the, the season. But this time it's... Uh, what is it? It's... Uh, Doctor Strange, I think Prowler, and maybe also Iron Man. 
uh, are in the the mix. And I assume if you got Prowler, that means Miles Morales Spider Man is going to show up uh, at some point. Probably as a paid skin, but uh, some neat stuff there. Uh, I ended up playing one match and won it, and was like, all right, that's good enough for one day. Getting to the first match of the season and winning it, so uh, yeah, that's a uh, that's a fun time. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Also been playing some more Rocket League. Just playing some more. Kind of getting the hang of the the new uh, Nomad vehicle that is the yeah. sort of one you get for unlocking the Battle Pass now, which is a more rounder vehicle. Uh, I still have an issue where I just mistime my ju- jumps and all that kind of stuff to do any sort of aerial moves, but it's a car that's kind of easily turned, so it's able to kind of readjust in the air pretty well. It's just a matter of me getting better at aerial stuff, which is an iffy proposition, but still enjoying that. Uh, let's see. And played uh, two of the more recent Game Pass uh, games. There's Tunic, uh, which is a very good uh, sort of maybe Souls influence take on like the original Zelda, uh, where you get to control this Fox character. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't really know too much about uh, what's going on. Yeah, the game's like kind of really cryptic about it um, on purpose, yeah. as you'll find out. Um, yeah. yeah, keep going. They're collectibles. Yeah. Not really in the traditional sense, but it's more of a, uh, you're finding these pages that fill out this version of a an instruction manual. Yeah. That sort of a helps really to explain things. Instru- a really gorgeous looking instruction manual might I add. Yeah, uh, it's got some really good art on it. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you can find pages like, I, I think, I don't know if you start with it, the the map of the the general area. Maybe my main issue is you can't really zoom in. No, so you it can't can be, zoom in or really zoom out either. Yeah, so... Kind of locked on that that perspective the whole game. Yeah, they put Unless a fox icon is, for your character yeah. on there, and it's like, it can really easily be lost because it is a very small icon on the on the map. Yeah. So unless you've just run through an area a bunch of times, you may lose track of where you're at and uh, where uh, you should be going. Uh, but yeah, I've got the shield now, so that's helped me out. But the turrets are kind of the, the most annoying character in the game. Mm-hmm. You can call it a character, but it's an enemy that shows up. Yeah. Because uh, your shield can help block shots, but only for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to, uh, you know, get in there and uh, break it up pretty fast, or have a an exit strategy. Because once it's activated, it just shoots forever. Mm-hmm. It seems like unless you just run out of the area. Uh, but yeah, there's bonfires like a Souls game mm-hmm. that you can run around and get to, and it'll respawn enemies. Yeah, around you. So. Be careful if you're just trying to top up on your flasks or anything. Yeah. You can also get flasks. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> so you can get some health back more easily. Yeah. Uh, one fun thing they do is, uh, as you start getting explosives, they're like, hey, you should actually use these things, not just store them for the, you know, the special moment when they might actually be useful, because I guess you get some reward for using enough of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means, but... Uh, that'll show up at some point, I assume. Uh, but those are good against the turrets. If you can get like the little, like dynamite uh, bombs to throw in there. Uh, mm. but yeah, even on the instruction manual, you can get like here's a list of all the items. 
you kind of get an idea of like what they are. Uh, the the weird thing they do is they do not uh, they put a, like a a custom language in the map and in the instruction manual and a lot of the text. Mm-hmm. Uh, so outside of some sparse English in there, you're kind of not supposed to be able to read most of it. I assume somebody mm-hmm. will figure out a way to translate it, mm-hmm. uh, figure out that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. The bosses are pretty well done. Uh, the few I've seen so far. Uh, and there's a lot of secret paths that you don't necessarily notice in this mm. game because of the, it's just, yeah. it keeps a, uh, isometric, uh, camera, you know, setting, uh, when you go to lock on enemies, it kind of goes above a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get a better view and you can see sort of how much damage the enemy has taken. So you kind of get a little bit of extra information there. Uh, but outside of that, you're not really able to see too much. So there's, a lot of secret paths that you probably don't won't notice until you maybe find the other way that that path is set up and come back and like, oh, this goes to here. Okay. Like the one place where you find the very freaky merchant. Uh-huh. Uh, the big fox skeleton. Uh, you're like, oh shit, it's a boss. Wait, no, it's selling things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as a scary moment, then you're like, oh, okay, it, things are okay here. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's a very fun game. I'm looking forward to put some more time into it. And uh, yeah, it's worth checking out. But it's only on Xbox and PC at the moment. I assume we'll come to the other consoles at some point. But for now, that's, uh, that's where it's at. And it's on Game Pass as well. Uh, let's see. The other game I played is Young Souls. It is streamed this yesterday. Uh, this is also on Game Pass, but it's also on everything. I think it's 25 bucks. Uh, for the normal price, and it is a beat 'em up RPG, mm-hmm. kind of action RPG. You get loot drops uh, as you go around. It's a little bit slow at first because the the first like hour of the game is all story stuff for the most part. Uh, the opening level is kind of a that traditional kind of oh it's here's like a late game situation you're running through as they're teaching you controls and all that. You got a bunch of you know HP in that to to deal with damage, and they throw a boss that you can't beat at you. It just destroys you pretty quickly. And they're like, "Oh, let's go back to the beginning of this whole saga." And you yeah. go back to when the uh, you're playing as a pair of siblings, boy and a girl, yeah, that have I guess become orphaned through some means. They haven't explained that yet, uh, but a professor has sort of taken. Uh, to adopting them mm-hmm. of sorts. And there's a whole bit where they're like, oh, you can call me father. You know, you've been here for a year now. Kind of thing. And they're like, ah, oh, we, you have a lot of dialogue choices. I don't know that it changes too much, but they're there. There's also a lot of cursing in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kids can curse a lot. So there, there's even an option for uh, censoring that stuff. If you are sensitive to that, but there's a lot of like funny little dialogue. Uh, you go see the mayor uh, at one point. So you talk to his secretary first and she's like, Oh yeah, you can go in. Uh, he's open to talking to anybody in the town. Yeah. Kind of thing. And you go in and he, he's like, who the hell are you kids? Are you on my schedule? <laughs> and the, the one character is like, Oh, that bitch set us up. Yep. Uh, well, she's fine. Cause he's, 
the whole thing is there's this grand conspiracy that the goblins that live in the underworld of sorts uh, under the the earth, I don't know, that the humans live on. Uh, they live in like an underground world of sorts and they want to come up and kill all the humans and take over, you know, the the outer world, mm-hmm. the earth part, uh, because the humans, they call the sun scorchers, I guess. Because they can deal with the sun, I guess. I don't know. But uh, you find out the professor is uh, a part of this as he's discovered the goblin plot and all this. And he's working with uh, resistance goblins that are trying to stop the the leader from killing humans and all this stuff. So, you know, there's that whole thing going on. Uh, but as you're going through... Uh, these different areas and it's kind of all interconnected the way they kind of set up the the map here so you're kind of going through really quick kind of levels of just going and beating up dudes you know you got in a the combat system kind of set up like a a little bit of fighting mechanics in there they they explain like the harder difficulties are for people that are good at fighting games and that kind of stuff Mm. Uh, because you have shields and some more advanced moves you can do uh, so it's got some some neat stuff to it, uh, but early on you're kind of one note with just a very basic sword and shield till you get you know more powerful weapons and you know, I have uh, one of the character has like a a great hammer essentially, so it's like a two handed weapon, so he can't use shields, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, if there's anything that really annoys me with this game is that you cannot manage your uh, your weapons. Uh, in the human world because mm-hmm. you can't use weapons in the human world. So they don't even let you mess with your weapon stuff. Even if you go, uh, so you kind of find out that there's, there's this whole market area of goblin stuff. That's in uh, a well mm. that, you know, nobody goes into because it's a well, uh, but you can, as you play through the game, you kind of save more goblins that can come and help and like offer like, Oh, we can upgrade your weapons or your equipment or, you know, sell you stuff, that kind of stuff. Uh, and so even there, when I'm upgrading weapons, like, okay, I want to equip this stuff now. Now I have to go to the uh, the basement in the house, you know, where you can warp into the goblin world. Uh, that's kind of a little bit of annoyance there. Mm. It's like, yeah, I know I don't have to use, I'm not going to use the weapons in this world. Just let me equip it in the menus. You know, let me manage that stuff. But luckily you can... Uh, as you get drops in the game and the levels themselves, you can equip them right away. So it's not like a anthem kind of thing where you have to wait until you beat a level to mess with your equipment. Uh, so luckily you can kind of do that whenever, but uh, yeah, that's a, it's a pretty good game. Looking forward to putting some more time into that as well. So uh, that's been it for me. So how about you, Brandon? Uh, well, as for me, I'm still very much playing Elden Ring. Um, I am actually gotten fairly far into the game now um i'm currently at level 52 uh i have basically been stuck on this one boss for the last couple of days and it's been slowly driving me crazy but i've also been sort of taking the uh initiative to you know go around and try and find other stuff to help so you know it ends up strengthening my character either way um my uh the, the the boss i've been going up against is this thing called the draconic tree sentinel which for
for those of you who have played the game and haven't gotten to this point yet, if you you've probably already encountered the regular tree sentinel at the beginning of the game. He's the big knight dude on a horse with a big old shield and hammer that you end up encountering just as you're walking out of the the chapel of anticipation and yeah, he's hard enough, and he's basically there for the game to teach you that you don't necessarily have to kill every single thing in front of you already. You kind of have to go around and think a little bit. Um, but I already dealt with him uh, week, uh, well over a week ago, um, and now I'm stuck with this new Tree Sentinel, uh, who on top of you know all the stuff that the regular Tree Sentinel does, uh, he has an even bigger hammer that somehow has even bigger uh, area of, of effect damage. And on top of that, he has a shield that has little spikes on it that he can use to rake at you. Uh, and then to top all that off, he also has lightning magic, which means uh, if you get too far away from him, um, he will, you know, raise up his shield and channel a lightning strike that will kill you on the spot. Um, I have been trying to find a way to successfully dodge this, and it's been very random. Um, I have managed to get him down into his second phase, which is when he utilizes more of his lightning magic and starts, you know, using it to, like, create shock waves and stuff like that. Um, but, golly, um... I I went decided to go to Reddit and see if, you know, anybody had some advice and I'm going to be using some of that tonight. Hopefully I'll finally be able to beat him. Um but uh we'll see, we'll see. Uh and yeah, also like Chris, I have been playing Tunic and uh yeah, that game is is a very charming little uh souls sort of Zelda-esque souls-like game. Um I love how like weirdly cryptic it is because it essentially like it it uses so much of its level design to tell its story, so much of its environment. Like you know, much like uh, Chris said, when you start the game, you know it conveys information through the pages of this little instructional manual. But the thing is, the majority of it that you see, at least in the beginning, is in this indecipherable geometric language, except for you know some key basic information that you know, you wouldn't be able to play the game without knowing. Um, but then you go a little farther and you start to realize that, huh, some of these treasure chests that I'm supposed to open have actually already been opened. Eh, that's odd. Uh, and it just, it suggests a lot of things. And I like that kind of, that kind of game design a lot. Um, but yeah, that's uh, pretty much what I've been doing. So, Dan Reb, what about you? Yeah, uh, I've, I'm toward the tail end of, uh, for uh, Horizon for about 45 hours in, and like I was reading like some trophy lists, and it was like, oh, it'll take you about 30 hours to platinum as long as you're going through the main store. But it's just been a world where I've been completely lost in. Like, um, it's not that trying to do every side quest because I know that that's not really needed, especially even for the platinum. But, um, you know, like I just want to make sure that I'm uh, dotting my uh eyes and crossing my t's wherever i go and like I've, I've never really known like the best way to go about them like when i first started the game i was exploring as much of the map as possible but then as you continue to um you know uh board the tall necks or um just uh go on with the main story 
you're really just like going through like certain parts of the world without really needing to expand upon. While what I'm doing is awesome in the sense where there's, there's never a point where I'm underleveled. In fact, I'm overleveled for, for just about everything. Now. Um, it just goes to show that, you know, um, a good world has like an awesome world. Anyway, um, I'm finally at the part where we're in San Francisco. And uh, it's pretty interesting to see, um, especially since where like, I know last week I talked about uh, exploring some other part of America, going to San Francisco and all of a sudden like going to the bay and seeing the waves crash. When I think about it, it's not something that I often see in like most other games, including open, you know, even if you're at a beach or at the ocean, you don't see in Horizon Forbidden West, like they do that. And yeah, it's cool to see because, you know, when, when you first boot up the game and you see the place card and it's like, oh, cool, Aloy is just chilling in a chilling in the bay. But, like, yeah, uh, it's funny that for me it didn't happen until, like, 40 hours into it. And, uh, yeah, it's it, it's gotten to a point where the story is um, <clears throat> utterly crazy. Like, if you were, if you played through Horizon, Horizon Zero Dawn, and then you all, all of a sudden you, like, you get through most of the story in Forbidden West, you really don't see it heading this direction. And, um, yeah, really wouldn't be surprised to see this game have an abrupt abrupt ending so just just because like i know how much i've put into it i know how much of the map i've explored and i'm like there, there, there really can't be that i'm probably going to beat it sometime this week and uh go on from there and yeah so far i've really been enjoying it um i've also been playing some shredders on xbox series x uh it, it came out on game pass late on thursday and as soon as i started playing it um, I played it for about half an hour, and I'm like, yeah, I'm 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 done playing this. Game. So basically, you you play as like these bunch of guys who want to be sort of social media snowboarder influencers, and you just do a whole bunch of random tasks, like behind some sort of camera, so that you know everything you do is recorded, and it's just not fun. I know that you know you start off with with a tutorial to try to to try to like understand go through flagpoles, learn how to grind, learn how to do basic 180s and flips. But the gameplay just, like, isn't... F- and it's, it's it's just tough to tough to know, because, like, you know, even... even uh, what, what was that last game that uh, Ubisoft came out with late last year? Riders Republic. Like, even that game, like, had, like, more fun aspect bearing... I don't know. Like, I know it's an indie title, and I shouldn't have had, like, that high of an expectation from it, but, like, when... I first heard about it, it had a lot of SSX, you know, after, after playing X, 1080, even Snowboard Kids, like, yeah, Shredders is just totally, um, I've also jumped into Mario Kart 8, first batch of DLC, DLC tracks, they came out with four tracks, they span from, uh, Mario Kart games from the DS and whatnot, and so far I've been having, uh, most of my fun with the two, with the two tracks that they, that came from Mobile One. And, you know, what what makes those uh, courses particularly different from everyone else is the fact that these courses are actually based on real-world real world places. So uh, one is the Paris Promenade, and the other one is, like, part of Tokyo. So, you know, the <laughs> um, the traveler in me is uh, really excited to see these places put in, in, in the Mario Kart 8 world. And, uh, yeah, really having a lot of fun um, on, on that. Um, when you boot the game and you're looking for the DLC tracks, you basically just uh, go to where you're supposed to go and then you hit the R button, and then from there, like the game's content just doubles. Um, we also have, we also know the names of all the circuits and trophies, and um, yeah, when you highlight um, a circuit that you don't or that hasn't been unveiled yet, it just says, "Oh, you'll get this sometime, you know, before 2023 and whatnot." So, yeah, um, this is a DLC pack that I've um, 
really been excited to finally get my hands on. And so far, it's been really, really fun. Um, I also downloaded Tunic, um, but I haven't gotten um, anywhere near you guys. Primarily because the, the first part in the game is also like similar to the, the demo that was released months ago. And after playing through that, I didn't really have much of a desire to go through all that again. But um, the one thing that I can say um, that I don't know if I really like, especially when you compare it to, is the fact that um, it's challenging to a point where it really, you know, delves back into everything you've learned over the span of the game. Um, whereas in the Zelda game, for example, if you're in any dungeon, you know, you find whatever weapon or power-up you have there and you learn how to use their environmental to uh, storytelling. Whereas with Tunic, it's like, okay, cool, you'll probably find a cool item here. But at the same time, you'll still need to know everything else you've learned elsewhere in order to really succeed here. And like when you die in the game, it's pretty rough, but luckily they don't they don't um have you. Yeah, that's pretty much been it. All right. Yeah, let's get to some news here. Uh, first up, they have finally revealed uh, sort of what is left for Game Pass for the rest of this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a handful of things here. Yeah, Shredder's already one we knew about. I guess Tunic was a surprise for people. Mm-hmm. I thought I had already heard that happening, you know, at least a few weeks ago of sorts. And I think, uh, let's see what else is on. Uh, the Dungeon of Nahulbuk, mm-hmm. the Amulet of Chaos. I guess it's supposed to be like a, a very comedic kind of, you know, D&D kind of thing. Here uh, seems to be console and PC only. Or no, mm-hmm. console only. No PC. They have put a strike through on the PC part of this, so I guess not for that, but it's a tactical RPG for that. Uh, so that is also available at this point uh, on March 22nd. Mm. There's Tainted Grail Conquest, only for console. Mm. Uh, I guess it might already be on PC Game Pass uh, in the past at some point. Uh, yeah, it's a deck-building roguelike RPG of sorts, so mm. you can check that out. Uh, let's see, there's also Zero Escape the Nonary Games, mm-hmm. uh, console and PC. That is the collection, I think, the first two of the Zero Escape games. It's 999, uh, and I think the, the first Zero Escape. Uh, I think the, the third one is a separate release, and I think it might also be on there already. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, let's see, March 24th, that is Thursday, Norco is coming to PC. Uh, Game Pass, let's see, it's a, they call it a Southern Gothic point-and-click narrative adventure. So, mm-hmm. uh, set in the sinking suburbs and verdant industrial swamps of a distorted South Louisiana. So you kind of get the vibe there just from that little bit there. Uh, so that you, you can check that out. Uh, coming to EA Play. On PC, PS4, and Xbox is F1 2021. You have Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also access that. Uh, that is last year's F1 game. Play that. I've heard good things about that. The The first mm-hmm. one under EA, ownership of Co- uh, Codemasters. So there you go. Uh, let's see, March 29th, there's Crusader Kings 3. It's finally out on consoles. So you can get the Xbox Series uh, X and S edition of that. I guess that's not playable on the on the uh, the old Xbox One. It's a little bit of a surprise, but you can get that. Uh, very very, uh, I don't know, in depth kind of 
diplomacy kind of simulator of sorts between medieval kingdoms and all that kind of stuff in Europe. Uh, very much about leading your family and your kingdom through generations and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of a neat game there. And Weird West is also coming March 31st. That's console and PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a well, the description here is not very good. I'll I'll tell you what it is. It's a uh, basically a sort of uh, isometric action adventure game, sort of like a, kind of like an isometric RPG, but it uses like you know action, uh, you know mechanics. Uh, it's made by a lot of the former members of uh, the developers who made you know like Dishonor, Prey, and uh, you know Deathloop. So it uses a lot of the sort of same kind of immersive simulation type mechanics. I've actually been anticipating this game for a while, so I'm glad they're deciding to put it on put it on game on Game Pass. Yeah, yeah, that could be neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. I think that's it for the most part. Uh, it seems like they have updated the Xbox app on PC a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed this the other day. We're basically now the uh, the side screen, the uh, side tab there that had like all your games listed mm-hmm. uh, is a little bit more manageable now, as well as they put all the the categories that were on the top of the app on the mm-hmm. side there for your library, maybe cloud stuff, community stuff, store stuff, uh, as well as the game pass page and your ability to look at your account and all that. That kind of stuff is all there instead of spread out over the top. Uh, so it kind of leaves a little more room for things, though. Uh, fun thing is my subscription is about to run out. So I'm going to use some rewards points to extend it here mm-hmm. soon enough. But that makes it so that every time I launch a game, fast game on Xbox, it's like, oh, you should renew. And I'm like, you should shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Let me play the game while I have access to it. Uh, it does that every single time, pretty much, because it's very concerned about that. Because I think I have it set to not renew, auto renew, so all kind of stuff. But yeah, they have that. They have now the ability to save wherever you want now, as far as other drives uh, make that more easily done. But the mm. weird thing is, it makes you create a f- specific folder for that instead of just saying like, "Oh, save on this drive," and it mm. does that automatically. I had to like go in on my G drive and be like, okay, I'll create a folder called game pass and mm. tell you that's where you install. Instead of like every other place, you know, steam and all that. It's just like, all right, we got it. Mm. We'll deal with it. And I guess they also have some sort of performance thing to tell you like, Oh, you're, you should be able to play this game on mm. PC. kind of thing. I don't know if I've tested that out thoroughly. The a lot of stuff I've been playing on there recently is not, all that, uh, you know, aggressive, you mm-hmm. know, tunic and stuff like that, where it's like, this isn't going to tax anything. Mm-hmm. I like I'm trying to put, you know, Halo Infinite. I haven't played that in a while mm-hmm. or anything. It says it should play great on PC, okay? Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, there's uh, some stuff there. I think they also have a new perk, and you get, like, a free month of uh, Paramount Plus conveniently just in time for the Halo show to appear on there. Which hasn't been getting very good reviews. Yeah, Seems like it's an all right show. Hey, you can get the first month of it for free. 
Hmm. Or maybe wait till it's the season's almost done and then use it then. Yeah. So you can see the whole thing and then watch whatever Star Trek or whatever else is on there that you want to check out. Yeah, Paramount Plus uh, celebrated their um, anniversary or something like a few weeks ago. And then I ended up um, subscribing for three months for hopefully by then this this uh, season. Yeah. Uh, but let's see. Other subscription services. Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack. Uh, as has been the case, Nintendo uh, lets everybody know when a new Nintendo 64 game is coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they have Genesis games coming, they say uh, nothing. Nope. They put out a tweet. They put out a tweet saying, hey, this is out now. You're like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm looking. Oh, they, they actually put up a news page for this time on their site. Mm. Cool. Uh, yeah, this is uh, a weird list. I'd say these are probably three games nobody uh, would be interested in unless you're that kind of Genesis person. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what we got here. Light Crusader, which is a treasure game. Yep. That uh, probably not many people have known about. It's definitely news to me, and I'm kind of a treasure game. Yeah, they, let's see. The wiki page says it's an action-adventure game developed by Treasure, published by Sega in 1995. So a very late Genesis game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is in the Sega Genesis coll- Classics Collection, the the most recent one. So... It could have had access to it for a while, and it's also on the Sega Genesis Mini, or the Mega Drive Mini, if you're in the UK Mm -hmm. and Europe. Uh, Let's see. Oh, it is similar in gameplay to Land Stalker. I don't know if that's a a great thing or not. Uh, The review scores seem to be pretty good. Lots of eights and such. So there you go. Uh, That's the thing you can check out. There's Super Fantasy Zone, which is a part of the Fantasy Zone series, which is... A fairly straightforward schmop, but they have the whole weird bell thing where you shoot the bells and that upgrades the bells. Then you catch them and you get more points because the color yep. changes. And that's how you get higher scores. Mm-hmm. I guess this has a plot. It says the game follows Opa Opa as he fights to avenge the death of his father, Opapa, mm-hmm. who was killed defending the fantasy zone against the invading dark menon. Mm-hmm. I guess that must be the plot of the another Fantasy Zone game. Pretty sure it's the first one. Yeah. Uh, but there you go. You can get some more of that. Let's see. An Alien Soldier. Another treasure game. I think that one's a little bit more well-known than uh, Light mm-hmm. Crusader. Yeah. This is a side-scrolling you know, shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's it say here? Yeah, this is, Similar to the others, it's also a 95 joint, so... Oh, this one's on Sega Channel? Okay, sure. Oh, uh, yeah, they say... Yeah, this one's more like Gunstar Heroes, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, but no two-player option. Unfortunately. But it's a pretty good game otherwise. Yeah, but... Uh, at least you'll hear you'll have... Uh, rewind and save states if you need that, so... There you go. Three more Genesis games. Mm-hmm. I wonder what, how many they got left on this. But of course, they're not going to mention it, so good for them. Uh, but yeah, there you go for that. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, if you like the uh, the itch.io bundle for uh, Ukraine relief, uh, there's another one happening with Humble Bundle. Mm-hmm. That is $40 at least. Yep. You can give more if you want. 
uh, gives to four different charities here. It'll split your donation uh, equally if you want. Uh, or you yeah. can set it specifically to give certain ones over others. There's Raise Them for Ukraine, International Rescue Committee, International Medical Corps, and Direct Relief are the four charities they have for this bundle. And yeah, being a humble bundle, uh, the this has a lot more bigger games in it. Uh, mm-hmm. I see 123 items here. So some of the, the highlights here, stuff like Satisfactory uh, on Steam. Most of these are Steams. There's a couple uh, that are not. It's like Max Payne 3 that's only on Rockstar Social. Because, mm-hmm. of course, uh, it's Back for Blood, Metro Exodus. You can get here Spyro Reignited Trilogy, Sunset Overdrive, Quantum Break, uh, Fable Anniversary, This War of Mine, PGA Tour 2K21. Slay the Spire, uh, The Long Dark, Kerbal Space Program, Starbound, mm-hmm. Wander Song, Superland. There's some good indie games there. Wizard of Legend, all three Amnesia games. Monica, What's Yours is Mine. Mm. Uh, Wargroove, yeah, Warsaw. Stuff, stuff. Yeah, Super Hot. Pikuniku, West of Dead, Tooth and Tail. Hey, one here you shouldn't grab, Toe Jam and Earl, Back in the Groove, because there's sketchy people working on that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yoku's Island Express, Next Machina, Going Under. A lot of really good stuff here. There's a bunch of books here as well. Some that are kind of like, oh, here's a Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay book, Pathfinder, Starfinder. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, I think, the, the first volume of The Boys. There you go. There's some game-making stuff. There's, you get... Game Guru, RPG Maker 15, or VX. I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some assets for those games, that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of stuff here. We're checking out if you want to donate through that way. Mm-hmm. And they're almost at $10 million raised for these charities. So that's some cool stuff. I think the the Itch Bundle got to $6 million. Mm-hmm. which is great to see there. Mm. Uh, we're checking that out. So let's see. March 31st is going to be the release date for Moss Book 2 for PSVR. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally got a date here, and it's in about two weeks. Yep. Uh, it's a, a pretty cool game. I like the first one a lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's the uh, second one here. Uh, looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. That one snuck up on us. Uh, how long is the first one? Probably not more than like five or six hours. Yeah, it's a, it's a kind of like a, a little bit of Zelda and some some more puzzly stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of that. So this one's doing a lot of that same kind of stuff with some new weapons and other stuff you can get in this game. So that's pretty cool. Look forward to seeing that one. Uh, let's see. Also happening uh, soonish. Sniper Elite Five. Mm-hmm. Finally has a date, May 26th. All right. That'll be on, I think, PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. Mm-hmm. It'll also be on uh, Xbox Game Pass on day one. Mm-hmm. I guess it's still sort of an open-worldish stealth game. Yeah, open-worldish stealth. Um, they're not easy either. That The Sniper Elite 4 in particular is pretty difficult right out of the gate. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you get to shoot Nazis. 
that's not to love. Yeah, and watch their innards explode. Yeah, and you get to shoot Hitler in the beanbag. Like, it's 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 the greatest. <laughs> yeah. Yep, so there you go. Check that out. Uh, let's see. Got some dates for June. Supermassive announced their next big game. Uh, this is not part of the Dark Pictures anthology. This is a, nope. a 2K published game called The Quarry. Mm-hmm. Kind of pitched as like, ah, oh, here's our next game on the, the same scale as Until Dawn. Mm. That'll be out June 10th. Uh, set around kids going to a summer camp. Yep. Classic 80s slasher type, uh, you know, concept. I'm Although, sure from what I've read, they're specifically trying to go tropes yeah partly because you know they're kind of demeaning but also they're just so predictable yeah and it'll be fun i think they've said they uh, they've designed a story to be a little bit better about uh any sort of insensitive stuff yeah it was in until dawn yeah uh, so that's cool yeah I'm, re- I'm really excited about this one uh until dawn um in my mind is definitely one of the top 10 PS4 games out there, and while they try to, you know, try to get some of the access with the uh, Dark Pictures anthology, they just don't have the same vibe. I mean, mm-hmm. um, the the celebrities or the celebrity cast just doesn't compare. Uh, although this one does, so I'm really excited about that. And it seems like the Dark Pictures anthology really, really tried hard to be like an artsy type of game, and it just it, it just fell flat on its face trying to do that. Though I did hear. Uh, nothing but good things about the latest one, or not really nothing but good things, but like a lot more good things than the previous ones in, the, in that series. Um, and yeah, like part of what made Until Dawn like really awesome to me uh, is the fact that I'm I'm not that big a fan of American horror movies just because like for the, for the most part they're stupid and like Brandon mm-hmm. said they're pretty predictable. And you know, um, sort of revisiting that in a video game where it's really about like your knowledge of these kinds of uh, movies and tropes um, is really interesting, especially, like, someone like me, you know, like, I, 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 I love playing um, walking simulators, like, you know, uh, Walking Dead and Life is Strange and, and, and that sort of stuff. So when I played this and I explored, or, or when I played um, Until Dawn and expl- I explored every nook and cranny, um, you know, I found myself dying because of that, you know? You want to uh, do smart things, not be total video game me about it, so... I'm looking forward to this being my uh, second chance at, uh, you know, not doing anything stupid. And, um, yeah, this this game is coming sooner than later. Yeah, and it seems like I have a pretty decent cast here. David Arquette is in this one. Mm-hmm. Which is a, a neat whole thing. Uh, let's see who else they mention here. Ted Raimi, I guess mm-hmm. Sam Raimi's brother. Yeah. It does various things. Uh, let's see, Lynn Shea. You might not know that name, but she plays an older woman in a lot of movies out there, uh, at least of late. Let's see, they have Justice Smith of Detective Pikachu fame. You know, a bunch of people here, so that's kind of neat. They got some some known, que- known people there, so there's, there you go. All right, so yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, let's see, also happening in June, uh, there was a Monster Hunter Rise sort of digital event earlier this week, where they revealed that the first big expansion sunbreak is coming out june 30th uh for switch and pc community i think that's also the same date as the cuphead dlc so great news for that team uh but yeah it looks like they're you know adding a lot of stuff with this 
expansion here. Now uh, you get a you know new areas, new monsters to take down, all that kind of stuff. They're also putting out uh, three Monster Hunter amiibos: a Palamute amiibo, a Palico amiibo, and one for one of the monsters, Malzino, the new Elder Dragon. Uh, mm-hmm. That gets you new armor in the game. Yeah, use those with it. So there you go. Hmm. Something new to check out for the summer in Monster Hunter Rise for Switch and PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get to other news here. Uh, Bandai Namco has revealed that Elden Ring has sold 12 million copies mm-hmm. in its first 20 days. Which pretty much, I mean, that's that's a lot more than, you know, pretty much all their other sold games up to this point. Yeah. Uh, which has prompted a lot of people like, oh, what can other big budget games learn from this? It's like, I don't uh, know, you're making like a specific style of game for 10 plus years and eventually find the the one big change to make it get into the, the mainstream. Yeah, that. Uh, also that, you know, it's okay, you know, and I guess Yahtzee Croshaw brought this up, and I don't necessarily always agree with what he says, but he did make a good point, which is that the developers at From Software don't seem to be particularly concerned about whether or not a person will miss something in the game their first playthrough, which you know means that you know it means more pe- you know people will come back to it and gives that particular game a shelf life that you know another AAA game otherwise wouldn't have. Um, also, let's be honest, the George R.R. brand really, really paid off, um, this time around. And, uh, also it's just a genuinely solid, like, I mean, there's really no other way to put it. It's genuinely solid, it's genuinely okay. Yeah, it kicks your ass, but it never feels unfair. Um, yeah. and it's well designed, you know, it's open world, unlike so many other is like, you know, it's like every inch of it seems to have been built with purpose, whereas so many other games, it's so generic, you know. Um, there's always something to find, you know. Also, yeah. keep in mind, this game was in development for like, what, six years? It's really interesting seeing the game sort of get this much amount of success. I mean, you know, like you said, Brandon, like games like Sekiro... Dark Souls, even Demon Souls, like they sold well enough, you know, to keep from software afloat, but none of them have really been like the monumental sales and critical success that you see in Elden Ring. Um, I'm one of the few that doesn't have the game yet just because like, you know, this type of game hasn't really appealed to me in recent years. But then, you know, when you look at the top three games in the NPD right now, them being Elden Ring, Horizon Forbidden West, and Pokemon Legends Arceus. Like, you know, these are three huge open world titles and it just goes to show that, you know, um, whether or not you think Elden Ring is mainstream and it very much is. I mean, all you got to do is like browse through Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever social media you want to go through. You'll see people posting their Elden Ring themed or gameplay videos and it's just crazy. And, you know, like you would think that the market is totally bloated with all the open world stuff but it's definitely what the people want right now i don't know if the pandemic has anything to do with it considering the fact that you know a lot of america is pretending it doesn't exist anymore 
But yeah, like um, for a formerly like niche game, like it's really surprising to see. Like I know that it, it had the George R. R. Martin, um, you know, um, hands on it, but at the, at the same time, like I wouldn't expect like any person walking down the street to actually know that. But you know, just seeing the success that this game has, whatever from software wants to work on next or whatever it may be. But well, it, it, what part of what makes makes a game, and actually, it's kind of what makes a lot of these like games is the collaborative aspect because these games are so challenging and sometimes a little opaque so you basically have to you know ask and discuss with other people about strategies and hidden secrets and stuff like that kind of like the like the original Zelda did so it's you know that is part of one of the huge reasons the game has paid off so well because, you know, it's got all the challenging nature, but it's also got, you know, its own world, which means there's no possibilities. I understand that. But, like, you know, even you, since, since you mentioned the Zelda example, one of the things that really holds true to, like, Zelda's success at the time in, in 2017 or whatever year it was, was whenever I talked about that game at work or, you know, wherever I was in a social setting, there was never a time where my friends and I ever did the same thing uh, at that point um, of our playthrough. So I don't know if Elden Ring is like that far different in that regard, but I understand the help, the the, the help part. But as far as like, you know, um, just comparing the stories, they're normally different. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, also, it's because a lot of Twitch streamers sort of jumped on the bandwagon too. Because you know this, uh, you know this game is genuinely really awesome, but it was also hyped up to hell and back too. Oh yeah, I mean influencers, streamers, wh- whoever it may be, like, they they definitely made this game like even more uh, enjoyable than than it may actually be. Like I can only imagine that uh, even like journalists, you know, they're they're held back by embargoes and like can't really talk about much. So I imagine they actually had more fun playing it when the game actually came out versus when they had it for early access. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I think it's it's a game that benefits from you know, I was looking at Polygon earlier and they had like literally like six articles in a row were just Elden Ring strategy articles about different things, guide stuff where it's like this sort of game that benefits from that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, keeps the the word of mouth of that game going and I think there's also a lot of uh you know, that kind of social stuff to it where it's, you know, people talking about it and that gets other people to buy it. Even if it's not, they're not into Souls games, mm-hmm. they maybe do better in this than they would like a Dark Souls game, your average one. Uh, but they probably won't get to the end. I don't know. For yeah. probably a lot I mean, of people. Like, uh, even, even to a lesser extent, when I was playing Sifu for review, I had that game maybe like a week and a half ahead of release. And that game was kicking my ass and like, I couldn't talk about it. I couldn't ask for help about it because I don't know who else was playing it. And then the game didn't get quote unquote easy for me until after the game came out where then I saw videos and then I saw people talking about it. So it's just funny yeah. seeing how that works. Yeah, And you have like the, the message system that is the ultimate uh, potential help or troll kind of thing. As if you've played it, you've seen, at any oh, wall, yeah. you have signs saying like, "Oh, illusory wall ahead," 
Oh, this, this one's obviously one uh, make people try and hit the walls everywhere. You know, <laughs> people putting notes next to turtles and horses saying dog, you know. Yeah, I think there was one that, that I saw Rebecca Valentine, like she was doing some platforming and then she jumped off a bridge that she wasn't supposed to. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's like a whole weird thing of like people putting notes like liar head about notes that are bullshit. Like, oh, you shouldn't do that. It's like, man, it's the entire point of the game. Leaving notes to call out things ahead or fake notes or whatever. And the weird thing is playing that game at launch, the like blood stains didn't work uh, for about a week or so. And I guess the, I found out like a week or so later, they're like, Oh, the, the blood stains work. Uh, but also when you leave messages, uh, you can leave like gestures with them, like captures that part of it. So there's some people doing things where they have like uh, NPCs that are just like crouched on the ground. They position their character at the right point where they're, you know, head is near their character's crotch kind of thing. You know, yeah. mature people, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, this sort of game where I run into a an area where I'm not sure what's going on, I usually just Google it. Mm. Like, all right, the wiki probably has information about this area to tell me, like, what's going on. Because there was, like, a big thing early on. It's like, oh, there's this chest that just sends you to hell. Mm. And so I saw notes around a chest that's like, oh, trap ahead. I was like, oh, let me Google this. Like, where I'm at in the chest. And it's like, oh, yeah, that one sent you this other area where they're where it's just fucked. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. I'll, I'll just leave. I believe it's called Kaelin. It's basically like, uh, you go there and the sky's all red and all the trees are dead and there's this weird fungus growing everywhere. Yeah, it's uh, not a fun time if you're just starting the game. <laughs> yeah, it's right near the starting area. It's in this uh, little area full of enemies and such by the, the, the lake. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, Oh, there's this place going down. I, I distrust every single one of those. Yeah. And if they're not, well, to be like, fair though, in any soul game, you should always distrust chest because especially in the dark soul series, it's almost always guaranteed that some of those are mimics and uh, they will insta kill you. <laughs> yeah. And Always be wary when you see steps going down into some hidden area and there are bloodstains all around them. Yeah. Like, or oh. just any general in like one of those legacy dungeons because, uh, you know, it's, it, it is completely possible there will be uh, enemies hiding around the corner and they will straight up, you know, tackle and stab you in the back. So, yeah. So there's <laughs> a lot of those are just literally on the edges of cliffs as people like dive off. For mm-hmm. some reason, well, uh, it's. I will tell you that reason. If there one uh, criticism of the game is that it doesn't really it, it, its fall damage mechanic is kind of inconsistent because yeah. On the one hand, it's more generous than previous Souls games because you know it's open world and it's a bit more vertical, so they're kind of encouraging you to explore, more, but. At the same time, um, there are places where it's just far down enough that it'll still insta-kill you. Yeah, but I'm talking about like the big cliffs above Oh, the ocean yeah, below. I don't know why for some reason. I'm I don't know if get, they got into a fight and just it's possible, fell off. Which does happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
or you know they just you know they just did they just wanted to see what was down there. Yeah, I don't know. Like, oh, can you jump from a high height into water and survive? Nope. <laughs> I guess we'll be no, one way to find not. out. Yeah, this isn't you know, uh, Breath of the Wild or any of those games where body water okay, that's safe. Yeah, they don't they don't model realistic uh, damage from falling into water at high heights. Mm-hmm. The Eldering is modeling that. That's just like, no, this isn't a place you can go, so you'll die. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Uh, let's see, Triangle Strategy, also a game that came out recently. Yeah. Uh, in the past two weeks, it has nearly, it's nearly at 800,000 uh, sales worldwide. Definitely nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, about 200,000 copies in Japan and Asia. Mm-hmm. So about 600,000 in uh the Americas and Europe mm-hmm. and Africa, I assume, and Australia. Uh, mm. But yeah, that's pretty good for a uh, very hardcore kind of strategy RPG of that type. That's not a, a genre that does super well, usually. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about Elden Ring being a niche game. Uh, JRPGs are even more niche, and then JRPG strategy games are even more niche. Um, not to mention, this game is only available on one platform. So mm-hmm. 800,000 at this point in time is crazy. And um, that this is awesome because, you know, this is the kind of game that, you know, I want Square Enix to keep making amidst all the shitstorms that they make all the time. Like, you know, the <laughs> couple of games that came out last week. But Like, um, a, like a certain, yeah. certain uh, I believe it was a PS5 exclusive or a Sony exclusive at least. I'm talking about Babylon's Fall and Chocobo Racing, but uh, <laughs> yeah, those right. are. Uh, if, now, if you're talking about Stranger of Paradise, I heard that one's good. So. Yeah, Stranger of Paradise, weirdly enough, is like it's basically like a B game. It's like, yeah, it's it, it's 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 a it's a pretty solid action game, you know, buried underneath a layer of kitsch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Triangle Strategy is a game I have. Uh, brother is playing actually he 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 played through his uh first playthrough uh right now and he's playing it again because he missed out on the on the golden route to get the better ending and i'm like i don't know how many hours you spent on that but hey good on yeah i've been hearing jan ochoa giant bomb talking about uh he turns that game on when he's got like stuff going on it's going to keep him uh he's going to just sit around and wait for like 30 minutes and the story just keeps going Mm-hmm. Uh, much like Octopath Traveler, the story just keeps going on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little bit too much at times. Uh, like, uh, as like one of the the main issues with Octopath Traveler is like, you guys could have cut this dialogue down. A little. I know you can skip through it and all, but brevity is a good thing mm-hmm. with that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, let's get to the next story here. EA has announced that they will not be holding an EA Play Live event later this year. Uh, during the summertime, uh, mainly because uh, they kind of want to focus on tighter events that are just focused on you know one one game at a time when they have stuff to show for it, which makes sense because their E3 presentations over the years have very much been a definition of we have to fill time. Mm-hmm. So here's what would become Mass Effect Andromeda, but it's like three pieces of concept art. Mm-hmm. You know, here's what would become anthem Mm -hmm. but it's like two pieces of concept art you know here's this stuff and it's like here's star wars here's people working on Star Wars. we're not going to show you the game but no here's people with star wars figures on their desks 
yeah. there's uh, an actual C-3PO, like, little robot drone thing. Mm-hmm. That's cool. We got Star Wars. Yeah. It's like, that's neat as, like, a behind-the-scenes thing, but that's not what yeah. you're supposed to do at E3. Yeah. So it makes sense that uh, when they have things in, in the way that they make their games, which they have their yearly stuff, and everything else is kind of in flux as they try to give people the time to make their stuff, especially with Bioware. Mm-hmm. And as they're working on new Dragon Age and Mass Effect, and they're definitely not being rushed. Nope. Uh, so, Which it honestly, sense. it's probably for the best, because we saw what happened with that. And uh, I still really like that game, and I will defend it till the day I die, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's not... It's not a bad bit of news. It's not a great mm. bit of news. It's just like, ah, they'll keep doing what they've been doing. It's like when they have something to publicize about a game, they'll, uh-huh. they'll set up a stream for it. Yeah. Tell you all about that game, mm. uh, which is like what they did with Dead Space, the Dead Space remake a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And people complained about the game looking like an unfinished mess, which is because it's an unfinished mess. Mm-hmm. They were showing off audio. Yep. Guess what they give a damn about when they're showing off audio? <laughs> graphics. Yep. They're not here to make it look pretty. Mm-mm. Either you want to see games early and see them in their rough states, or you should shut the fuck up. Yeah. Nobody cares. But uh, let's see. Next two stories here are about indie devs who have some bad work cultures going on for a couple different reasons here. But first up is the developer of the Ori games, Moon Ooh. Studios. After a report uh, from GameSpeed happened mm-hmm. uh, that described the studio's work culture as oppressive, mm-hmm. very much that the the two guys that head up the studio, Thomas Muller and Gennady Coral, created a very kind of uh, boys clubby kind of atmosphere where they just tell jokes of various kinds of offensive, you know, sexist, racist. Very kind of bullying antics. Yeah, saying they like to use offensive words, mm-hmm. uh, anti-Semitic jokes, make public discussion jokes about the size of their genitals. You know, stuff that could maybe be fun like once in a while, but if it's the constant thing you're doing, nobody's going to enjoy being around you at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The weird thing is this company was set up from the beginning to be kind of a remote studio of sorts, like everybody around the world working together remotely, all that kind of stuff. But even that kind of setup can lead to issues here, and it's not really a huge surprise out of this stuff. Thomas Muller is a guy who on is on forums and such. I think he's been on Reset Era where he created a thread like complaining about people buying games from, you know, quote unquote, snake oil salesmen uh, of sorts. Whereas like Peter Molyneux, uh, I think you mentioned Sean uh, from Hello Games, as in No Man's Sky. Uh, mm. and then CD Projekt Red with uh, uh, Cyberpunk, all this kind of stuff. It seemed very much to come off as whining that people are buying these games, but not his games, mm. all this kind of stuff. It's like pure only thing is, you know, one thing. Yeah, like the the Sean Murray thing was very much like a a small studio bit off more than they could chew. 
but it worked hard to, mm-hmm. you know, build that game up to what it should have been and even beyond that. So, but he's very much come off as a guy who doesn't looks at things in one way and doesn't necessarily like to adjust that at any point. Mm. And they put out a statement sort of in response to this is very, very uh, weird. Uh, the way they describe it. Yeah. Uh, it's very kind of defensive and all that. Also being like, yeah, we kind of make jokes that maybe don't go over great, but also being like, he was like, finally, we appreciate the irony that we, an Austrian and an Israeli Jew, started this multicultural enterprise. We view each other as brothers, and like brothers, we sometimes argue and frequently tease each other. We've made jokes at our own expense about the differences in our backgrounds. There may have been at times that our teasing of each other has come off as insensitive. They have made others feel uncomfortable. It's very much like a, how can we be racist? Because uh, we're, you know, Austrian and Jewish. Mm-hmm. How can we be insensitive? It's like by being insensitive. Yes, by being insensitive. No. Without their consent and acknowledgement. Yeah. So, yeah, this it seems like another part of this uh, is also that maybe their next game is... Not being published by Microsoft because they got word of this stuff uh-huh. uh, that was going on. So, you know, congrats. You had a Get cushy job making. Yeah, you know, had a good, a good cushy publishing gig with Microsoft, and now you're on your own. Thus, I assume somebody else will jump in to publish anything else they make. And it'll be fun to see who that is, because then they'll get questions about, oh, what about this stuff? Are you okay with this? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it seems like you're happy or happier. Sometimes that's as good as you can do. But there's the the bit of news about Moon Studios. Mm-hmm. Not great. Uh, the second one comes at the coverage of a YouTube channel called People Make Games. Mm-hmm. That sort of covers studios and how they make games and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but this one isn't uh, so positive. It's kind of about three stories of abuse. Mm-hmm. One of them uh, we've already heard about, Fulbright yeah. and Steve yeah. Gaynor. Yeah, that one's been known for a little while. Yeah, that involves Annapurna Interactive. Mm-hmm. One of the other games involves Annapurna Interactive, uh, the team called Mountains. Mm-hmm. They made a game called Florence. Yeah. Very decorated indie game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that the studio heads here... Uh, especially at Mountains, let's see. Yeah, they had a former employee named Tony that attempted suicide as a result of sort of uh, bullying. Uh, I said he'd been verbally and emotionally abused yep. by the producer Ken Wong, who was already renowned for his work on Monument Valley. Uh, their investigation revealed that Wong engages in toxic controlling behavior, uh, and his behavior was normalized by the introduction of a safe word where the target employee could ask for a pause mm-hmm. for the rest of the team to mediate the perceived slight, which that is fucked up. If you need a safe word for people to say, stop yelling at me. Yeah. That's fucked up. Uh-huh. Very. Yeah. Uh, that, you shouldn't be, you know, berating anybody mm-hmm. unless they're, you know, being an asshole or something. But presumably these people are just trying to work on their jobs to the best of their abilities. Yep. Uh, yeah, they also talked about Steve Gaynor. Not really too much there because it's something's already been covered, but they just covered it themselves. 
But those two games, uh, those two studios worked with Annapurna Interactive and like the whole bit is like uh, they kind of helped step in with Fulbright. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with uh, Mountains, they didn't really. Though they followed up with uh, uh, Fulbright people that worked there and saying that like Annapurna Interactive didn't really even do all that much. They're not really happy with the mediation they were supposed to be doing. So yeah, not going very well there. So it's like, okay, what the fuck is Annapurna Interactive doing here when they're trying to quote unquote mediate with these sort of abusive bosses? Uh, yeah, the third studio doesn't really have any tied in a printer interactive. It's Funo Mena, the studio that's run by Robin Heineke. Mm-hmm. Uh, well known because she was a producer on Journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think also Zekita Takahashi's studio as well. They both run that, I think. Yeah, because they made Wadham. I don't know if he he's involved in this other game because I think this is centered around the development of Luna Moondust Garden, mm-hmm. which I guess is a Magic Leap game for whatever that is. But yeah, her whole thing is that she uh, was very much a, an emotional abuser. Mm-hmm. Uh, would use employees' personal information to humiliate them, uh, even to the point of treating their you know racial identity as just a tool for getting back at them mm-hmm. and talking shit about them and all that, mm-hmm. uh, which is all sorts of fucked up there. And yeah, this this whole thing seems to say one thing is like if you are a talented developer, you know, a designer, an artist, a producer, uh programmer, whatever it doesn't, because mm-hmm. you're very talented at that, doesn't make you a great leader of a studio, a great manager of people. Uh, oftentimes, probably the best managers are people that aren't very good at uh, the individual things of making a game. They're good at, you know, leading people and dealing with compromise and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it seems like these people that gained fame at elsewhere became sort of uh, well-known in the industry, in the indie scene of sorts, that they get power and it goes to their heads mm-hmm. in a way that brings out their innate nature. It seems to be very angry, spiteful people. Yep. And that's, you know, you need people that can lead a team that are uh, good. Mm-hmm. Good to people. Willing to work with people and help people out and not just abuse them mm-hmm. because they're the employees and you're the boss. That shit's disgusting. Treat everybody like equals and especially in the indie space where you know you don't have very many people on your team. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody should get a say of some sort. Yeah. And should be treated like a valuable partner because they probably are. They yeah. probably pull enough of a, a share of the work that they're worth not belittling. I mean, that should be the rule for every, you know, every business on the planet, but unfortunately that's not the world we live in. Um, honestly, this basically just proves two things. One is that, as it always was business, the fish rots from the head down, and two, uh, Business culture can be just as bad and toxic in small businesses as it can in big corporations. Um, yep. In fact, sometimes it can be even worse because it's uh, because it's even more personal. 
Yeah. Um, Cause everybody has stake in the, yeah. the success. Whereas if you're working on a, a big bunch of game, you might be one of hundreds of people. You're, yeah. You're kind of considered a cog in a machine that can be replaced. Uh, yeah. Whereas, yeah, with the smaller indie titles, yeah, you're very much a irreplaceable part of the machine. And yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's again, you know, it's, it, you know, as long as the contradictions between employer and employee, you know, exist, you're going to run into problems like this. It doesn't matter what the size of the business is. Yeah. That's why when you see news of, oh, these people from this studio split off to form their own studio, mm-hmm. don't just assume they're going to be, you know, great. No. Because um, they probably are just as clueless about running a studio as they would be if they, you know, suddenly got promoted to those sort of positions within the company they were just in. Managing a project is not necessarily the same job being a, and it's a rare designer that can do both effectively. Yeah. And you, you rarely ever see people that even want to do both. Like for example, you know, let's say you made a name for yourself in game development and all of a sudden, you know, your game is in, tens to millions, tens to hundreds of millions of dollars. So as a result, you know, you either become a big company or you become in charge of a company that continues to grow. Yeah. And, you know, instead of allocating your own time and resources to continuing to make games that you care about, you also have to start caring about your employees and, you know, tax stuff and all that other stuff that businesses have to worry about. And that's part of the reason why you see uh, whenever a company merges or is bought by another company, that, that's why you often see the people who uh, made the game like branch out and create some other title. At the same time, a lot of these geniuses can also be bad. Can also be bad people. And yeah. It's actually harder to deal with when, or it's it's. Let's let's say you're a bad person, all and all of a sudden, like bought out by a big company that actually pretends that they have morals. You're also in a harder position there because you know everything you do is going to be scrutinized. Whereas if you move to an indie company and then you hire, you know, whoever you want at the same time, you're still going to be scrutinized the same way. So, you know, it all goes back to don't be an asshole. Yeah. Yep. And, and part of the thing is, um, it's not necessarily person or not, it's whether or not you're an effective manager. Yeah. Because you could be the nicest person in the world. If you're a shitty manager, an asshole. Yeah. Um, you gotta, you gotta be somebody that can take and give criticism. Yeah. And not be a jerk about it. Yeah. Uh, really good example. Just look at what happened with Ken Levine and the news we found out about his, you know, recent project. It's, you know, his management skills are terrible, so they pissed away a lot of money and have very little to show for it. Yeah. Because, uh, I don't know, he, he did pretty well for himself with the Bioshock games, but trying to take that into a smaller space seems like it just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And luckily for him, he had a huge corporation's money to waste versus like an indie studio of sorts uh, for that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's, it's not easy when people try to do the the whole alter thing, but even sometimes that's not even done by the person themselves. Cause you know what? Uh, uh, what's his face from Deus Ex or the the System Shock games? That got Warren the, Spector. Yeah, 
he didn't make those games. He wasn't the leader on those projects. No. He got pushed up because people were like, oh, that's a name. He's working on this new thing. Okay. He's the creator of Deus Ex or whatever. It's like, no, he isn't. <laughs> it's like when people did a, a crap, what's his face from the Mega Man games? Who was just an artist. Yeah. Uh, Ken Inafune. Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, like, he, was, he didn't create Mega Man. He was no. an artist on those games. He was one of the artists on the first yeah. game. He was one of four. It's just yeah. that, you know, the, the guy who created Mega Man and worked on, like, the first two games, he jumped ship and made it, went to go his own studio. Um, yeah. Inafune just was the right person at the right time to snatch the position after he left. Yeah. So he takes all the credit for it, even though... I mean, he's very much responsible for those games. He's definitely responsible for the success that that series had after Mega Man 2 going forward. But, no, he's not the creator. Yeah, it seems like one of the only people out there that kind of are able to manage all that stuff is kind of Hideo Kojima. Mm-hmm. Who, I would guess he's probably a decent manager after, you know, four or five games. Yeah, make it the way he does. He seems to be at least pretty decent to his people. Yeah, but it also the higher ups. Yeah, yeah, um, but in the process of them like trying to screw with him on Metal Gear Five. Yeah, he still made sure to put you know credits at the beginning of each mission, saying like who worked on what. Yeah, that gave them the credits even when he couldn't put his name on the the front of it Mm -hmm. package itself, but. Yeah, so there's uh, there's a lot of shit that goes into making games. Every game is hard to make. Mm-hmm. It's a miracle they even get finished. Yeah. Because uh, those games do not look like they are going to be ready to ship months before they launch. Somehow, magically, it comes together. Hell, sometimes they don't look like it even when they launch. <laughs> yeah. But uh, let's get to something a bit more brighter. Mm-hmm. This idea at Xbox showcase that happened on Twitch gaming mm-hmm. and a lot of the weirdness around it. So first off, the the article on the Xbox wire is very weird, mm-hmm. uh, particularly because at the end they say like, oh, you want to watch the vid? Click here. It goes to the vid, the VOD uh, for the last one from seven months ago. Mm-hmm. So I had to like do extra work just to find the video because they don't archive it on YouTube because it's a Twitch channel, uh, Twitch gaming official Twitch channel for that stuff. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's great. This is so easily accessible, but they list a bunch of the stuff they showed off here. And some of this stuff, they're just like, oh, it's coming to console. They don't even mention the platforms uh, at times, or most of these don't even have dates or TBD. Yeah. And it's like this, when is anybody supposed to get any of this stuff? Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it's coming soonish. Uh, the first one here is Immortality, which is the next game from Sam Barlow, mm-hmm. creator of her story. Uh, this is another sort of FMD mystery game of sorts. Uh, that'll be coming to yeah Xbox Series X and S and mm-hmm. PC summer. So it'll be on Game Pass. Uh, let's see. The next one here is Flintlock, The Siege of Dawn. Mm-hmm. That is the next game from the team that made Ashen. Yep. 
Uh, and yeah, that's an open world action RPG kind of thing. Yeah. It'll be out sometime yeah. this year. It. Uh, I hope. I hope the. I hope the game is good because the pitch is definitely up my alley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they say it'll be out sometime this year. Mm-hmm. It's on both Xboxes, both Playstations, and PC. Mm. It'll also be on Game Pass. Whenever that happens, and they showed off Cursed to Golf. Yep. We've talked about this before. It's a uh, a golf roguelike. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you kind of have lots of weird hazards and power-ups and all this kind of stuff as you try to... Uh, golf your way out of purgatory. This one seems to only be coming to PC or no, Xbox, Switch, and PC. Mm-hmm. No dates. Doesn't seem to be like it'll be coming to Game Pass. Uh, they don't really mention anything about that. So let's see. Next one's Escape Academy. Uh, this is yeah. You go to a you play a student in a school about escape rooms. Mm-hmm. So you play uh, say over a dozen masterfully handcrafted rooms. Mm-hmm. Designed by experienced experts in the field of real life escape rooms. Mm. So that's weird. Uh, you can play single player with two players, uh, local or online, split screen. Uh, yeah, uh, that'll be on Game Pass hmm. uh, sometime later this year. Who knows? So that's... I seem to recall. I think there's a game kind of like this already on Steam. Um, yeah, there's Escape Room Simulator, I think it's called. Yeah. I says, oh, you can get with a bunch of people and you kind of go fuck around with a room, an escape room. Yeah. You're supposed to talk to each other and tell each other, like, oh, I found this. What does that yeah. do? All that kind of stuff. This seems a little more stylized. Yeah. Maybe like a Harry Potter-esque kind of thing to it. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that'll be sometime later this year. PlayStation, Xbox, PC, Game Pass as well. Uh, next one here, a little bit weird one, Whale Fall. Uh, coming to PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. It's on Game Pass, or not Game Pass. Uh, it's on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And they don't like to the Kickstarter in this article. <laughs> it's live nice now. There. Uh, if you go to the link there, it goes to the Gamatsu page, which does have a link to the Kickstarter page. Mm-hmm. For that, so they're going for fifty thousand dollars here. They're at seven thousand dollars right now. I assume they'll they'll get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this is from the same publisher of games like Calico and Lake and other kind of games like that. So this one's sort of a JRPG uh, kind of game. Yeah, they try to they say they try to balance the approachability and ease of use of Paper Mario with the dynamic and uh, camera movements, intense fights of Bravely Default. Uh, but also you can get to points with like where it turns into kind of a strategy RPG, like a Fire Emblem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also has visual novel elements for the story stuff and all that. So mm-hmm. there you go. You can check that out. Let's see. Uh, 20 bucks to get a copy of the game mm. to pledge. Their estimated delivery is October 2023. So probably be at least till 2024. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, next up here, WrestleQuest. Mm-hmm. This is coming to everything. No yep. dates. Uh, it, I don't think it's going to be on Game Pass. Uh, but it is a essentially a wrestling RPG. Yep. That you are kind of playing as, uh, I guess you're playing as a wrestler, but you meet up with people that are like Randy Savage and Andre the Giant and others, uh, kind of like what the, the the Shut Up and Jam Charles Barkley 
like JRPG sequel to that original basketball yeah. game. Yeah, that pretty fans much. made. It's like a uh, wrestling version of that. Yep. Yeah, this was the game that caught my eye out of this whole thing, and um, it looks tremendous. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, like you play a Macho Man wannabe, and mm-hmm. then eventually you actually fight Macho Man. I don't know that. that that's what I gathered from the trailer. But yeah, like this is a wrestling JRPG, much in the vein of like the Mario and Luigi games. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of turn-based action battle system, and I am excited for this. I'm gonna keep my um, expectations tempered, but this one looks awesome. <laughs> yeah, so it seems like these are probably not the actual wrestlers, which makes sense. Obviously, um, it says draw inspiration from wrestling icons like Jake the Snake Roberts, Macho yeah. Man Randy Savage, and even Andre the Giant. Yeah. Basically, WWE in the 80s. Yeah, but not official license, even though... Yeah, exactly, so they're all... In this Xbox Wire article, it just says, Macho Man Randy Savage, Andre the Giant, tons of other icons guide your way to glory beyond the ring. It's like you are setting them up for legal trouble. Mm -hmm. Congrats, Microsoft. Interesting. Macho Man Randy Savage and Andre, Andre the Giant both actually require separate licensing from WWE. Yeah. It's, it's it's interesting. <laughs> but yeah, these guys wouldn't be able to afford that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Most likely. But uh, yeah, I guess this is where they maybe technically announced the Tunic coming on to Game Pass hours after it was available. Mm-hmm. I guess, I don't know. Because uh, they mentioned it in this article. Uh, let's see. Then they showed off Trek to Yomi, which was shown the week before on the mm-hmm. State of Play. Uh, also still coming to Spring 2021 to PlayStation, Xbox, PC. I guess it'll be on Game Pass at launch. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, there's a section here saying these fellow traveler games are going to be on Game Pass on day one. Mm-hmm. PC and uh, PC and Xbox, which is where uh, Paradise Killer got announced for Game Pass mm-hmm. for Xbox. So that's weird. Uh, let's see. They also mentioned Kraken Academy. That's out March 22nd, so that'll be out in a few days. That wasn't mentioned in that Xbox uh, Game Pass article, I don't think. No. Hmm. So cool. Because that article, I guess that technically article is out the day before, but it's like, yo, you can update articles. (laughs) Go back and edit them and just say, like, hey, we added this stuff because we announced it in this other thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then there are two TBDs, Beacon Pines and Citizen Sleeper. I just say console. Mm-hmm. Everything then below, it's like, oh, here's a list of the games that are shown during today's event. And they put coming to Xbox Game Pass on uh, some of them that above are mentioned to be coming to Game Pass. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why isn't they don't have Kraken Academy, which I had mentioned is on Game Pass in two days. Mm-hmm. It's not mentioned in the same article as coming to Game Pass. There's mm-hmm. Beacon Pines and the other games not on there, not mentioned on there. Tunic also doesn't mention that it's on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. It has a link saying available now. It's a weird fucking article. Mm-hmm. This is Xbox. They can afford to have people make this stuff look better. Yeah, seriously. Because like I, you know, the PlayStation State of Play, they have an article up shortly after summarizing what happened and links to the articles. You can go read that. It's all pretty accurate to what they showed off. Mm-hmm. Even have the videos, the trailers for that stuff. Here, there's no trailers. Mm-hmm. 
I think partially because it's supposed to be on the pod, but they linked to the wrong pod. I saw other places had their own article, or our own videos. Mm-hmm. This is very confusing. Mm-hmm. I don't ask for much. I don't think this is asking for much to be as uh, as informative as you can be, but mm-hmm. this keeps happening with every idea of the Xbox showcase. Yeah, just they're clearly behind PlayStation and Nintendo when this with this stuff. Mm-hmm. And they need to get better if they want to actually make uh, make the Game Pass stuff really take off. Because mm-hmm. now a lot of their strategy is just uh, their their Twitter accounts are weird. They make jokes all the time, and I mute them because I don't want to see jokes constantly. Yeah, where the the Xbox accounts quote tweeting the the Game Pass account making jokes and I'm like, oh, shut the fuck up. I don't want to see brands making jokes at each other all the time, at least. Once in a while is okay. But yeah, that'll do it for this week. Uh, we got one more show for the month. Uh, be a busy week here. We got Kirby is out this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was playing some games, some Kirby games, kind of getting ready for that. Yeah. I had a Kirby game crash in the NES app on Nintendo Switch Online. I did not know that was possible. Yeah, the app didn't crash. The game crashed within the app and reset. Uh, so I lost all my progress. Well, which was, Kirby game was it? Kirby's Adventure. Oh, well. <laughs> I was playing the, the special version, which unlocks the difficult Oh, mode. right. But you're like, oh, that... I also just used Rewind a bunch to get through that. Because mm-hmm. it's like, fuck it. Mm. It's not like I'm going to get a medal for beating Kirby anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did play Kirby's Dream Land 3, which has an amazing art style to it. Mm. I've never heard anybody talk about that game before. Mm. It's like, this this art style is up there with uh, Yoshi's Island. Why does yeah. nobody talk about this? And it's a very chill game because you got like, little buddies you can have Kirby ride on. Mm-hmm. Then they throw him around and do other weird shit with him. I was like, oh, this, this is a fun, chill game. Mm-hmm. People should talk about this game. Like, <laughs> Yoshi's Island. It's like this weird yeah. thing they did. Because I don't know why Kirby's getting thrown around like a boomerang by a hamster, but mm-hmm. that's what this game is. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be it for the show this week. Yep. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. If you enjoy the show, feel free to let your friends and family know about it. Mm-hmm. Get them to check it out. Uh, as well as select strangers and enemies uh, that won't call the police on you for bothering them. No. They may hate you, but they may like us. Yeah, and uh, thank you to Brandon Danner for joining this week. Always. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back with a new slate of news, and we'll see you all next time. Have a good one.